Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Hey there, family. How was your week? Okay. All right. However it was, we're glad you're here now. We're glad your week brought you here. For those of you who might be visiting us for the first time or, you know, just need to be a little refreshed after, uh, you know, a couple weeks of trying to remember where we've been. We're in the Ten Commandments. The uh, series is called Love at Work. It's a couple, maybe last week, uh, somebody recognized that was an acronym. Law. Love at Work. Okay. So, so that's all right. We're talking about the Ten Commandments specifically, and we are um, today. I'm just going to give a quick recap on the first four that we've covered so far. The first commandment we've discovered is reminding us that only God saves. The second commandment reminds us that we are not to create things to worship in God's place or to represent him because God can't be boxed up. We can't put him in a box. The third commandment tells us that it matters what we say about God. The fourth one last week that we talked about said we can rest because Jesus has already done all the work. So that means this week we are on commandment number no, six. Yeah, some of you are like, wait a minute, I know how to count. You left out number five, which is which, which, which is commandment five? Honor your mother and father, yeah? So I'm going to be honest with you. I know how to count two, and I do know the order of the commandments, but I think maybe we can come to an agreement. I can do that sermon today if you want, but what that means is if we continue on chronologically, that means that on Mother's Day, we're going to be preaching about adultery. <laughs> And it just didn't feel right. (laughs) It just didn't feel right. So can we all agree that we're going to go ahead and save the fifth commandment for Mother's Day? Yeah, okay. All right. I mean, I can do it. I mean, I just, it just didn't, for me, it didn't feel right. But if it was feeling good for you guys, I don't know. I will (laughs) probably have a bigger issue we need to talk about. All right. So anyway, so today we are on the sixth commandment which we are going to discover tells us that we can't take away life. Instead, we must give life. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for giving us life. We thank you that you love us so much that you care about what kind of life we have and the quality of that life. And so today, Lord, as I speak, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would speak loud and clear. And that those who are sitting here, whether they are here or whether they're online or whether they're watching this a month or two months or a year from now, Lord, I pray that you would speak directly to their hearts and that they would have ears to hear what you have to say to them. pray these things in your name. Amen. So if you're not familiar with the sixth commandment, it's this one right here. You shall not murder. Kind of quick, kind of easy. Can we all agree? Nobody should murder anybody. Done. Look at that. That was easy. Um, as easy as that is, in the Hebrew, there's only actually two 
words there. You see more words there, but in the Hebrew, there's actually only two. And, and, it, uh, and it's, it's basically must not murder. Don't murder. Two words. Very succinct, very to the point. Um, and that, by the way, that translation is better than the New King James Version that I've got up on the screen is actually better than the King James Version where it says, uh, thou shalt not kill. Um, because the word kill is pretty broad and the word murder is a little bit more in our language, a little closer to what that original Hebrew was saying. Um, because if you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament for that matter, you'll kind of discover that that God does a little bit of killing here and there. And if that's news to you, I'm really sorry. That's another sermon. We can talk some more about it. And it but it is it's somewhat troublesome, isn't it? Sometimes it would, but but what this word is saying is don't take another's life in an unjustified manner, in a matter that's selfish, in a matter manner that, that is taking away that life without an authorized reason for it. Um, and so that's what that commandment means. But, you know, Jesus always liked to take things a little deeper, didn't he? Jesus always liked to make it a little bit harder because all of you sitting here comfortable, you're like, well, Clearly, because I'm sitting here today, I've never murdered anybody, or at least I've never been caught, or I wouldn't be sitting here, right? All right? And so you're like, so you're saying like, this is really doesn't apply to me. It's like Tony said at the very beginning, of all the commandments, it's the one that probably I don't worry about the most. I'm not going to, you know, I'm probably not going to walk out and kill somebody or murder somebody. But Jesus, you know, he likes to always up it. He always likes to up it. And he says, you've heard it said, our ancestors were told, you should not murder if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot on I-4, you are, in, I did add at the I-4 part, you are in danger of being, I'm just personal experience. You are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, Jesus just kind of upped the ante a little bit there, didn't he? That's a habit of doing that. And so as I was thinking about these words of Jesus, it kind of, I thought, you know what? I'd like to kind of do a sermon like Jesus did because we have this kind of idea today that when you stand, when you come to church and you hear a preacher preach, whether it's a Baptist church or a Seventh-day Adventist church or even a Catholic church or a Presbyterian church, you kind of have the idea that that's the way people have always preached throughout all time and all eternity, but that's not the case. If you lived in Jesus' time and you went to a synagogue, you would have heard something very different than what you hear today. Most of what we do today is based off of Greek oratory. Pastors today preach in a Greek, might I use the word pagan? Oh yeah, manner. We use that style, okay? And But that's not how they did it in Jesus' day. There was a different way of doing it. And Jesus often exemplified that style by the parables he would tell. You see, rabbis weren't always concerned about their pupils getting the right answer. They were concerned about their pupils learning how to reason towards the answer for themselves. And so rabbis wouldn't always give the answer, they wouldn't, which is what we do a lot when we preach, right? I do it a lot. Here's what, you know, this, you know, five ways to do this, and this is what you need to do. And, and we've been conditioned as a society to expect the pastor to tell us what to do and what to think. So today I thought, I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm going to go back to Jesus' style of doing things. Because Jesus, and we all agree on this, Jesus would tell parables and then he wouldn't tell everybody what they meant. He just kind of walk away. He's like, boom, there you go. What are you going to do with it? 
And it bothered his disciples. They're like, come on, Jesus, tell us what that means. And Jesus would tell them, he said, yo, I'll tell you. It's for you, I'll tell you. But the others, they're gonna have to think about it. So guess what? You're the others today. You're gonna have to think about it. I've got four stories that I believe are examples of breaking the sixth commandment. Some of them may be very obvious to you. Some of them, you might be like, I don't know. Where did that happen? But what I want you to listen to as you hear these stories is I want you to try to identify who the murderer or murderers are in this story. And also I want you to think about who might be giving life in these stories because the opposite of murder is giving life. Okay? So let's start off with this one. Um, You know, we all have events that are kind of seared into our memory because they're traumatic. And for me, this is one of them. Um, It happened in 2001. I'll never forget. I, I, I can picture very vividly sitting in my desk at the Guam Micronesia Mission. It was Monday, February 26th. The work week was just kicking off. And I will never forget having somebody run into my office and say, Ken, there's been a shooting at the SDA clinic. Now, if you don't know what the SDA clinic is, think Advent Health, but on Guam. The Seventh-day Adventist Clinic on Guam uh, at that time was one of the largest providers of medical uh, providers on the island. And everybody, everybody on the island knows about the SDA clinic, as they call it. And so as this person ran in and said, there's, there's, there's a shooting happening at the clinic, I thought, that can't be right. And so I quickly turned on the radio that was near me to the talk radio station. And sure enough, coming across the airwaves, I'm hearing, you know, police, fire, all are down. At, we don't know. We're hearing reports that there might be several people killed. There's a shooter inside. There's an active. And I am... St- and I'm in charge, I'm the assistant communication director, and one of my jobs is crisis, you know, the crisis management communication plan. So we gather around as a, as a team and start trying to figure out what's true, trying to find out who's, what's going on. And so here's what we eventually found out. And this is what eventually kind of came out that happened. A man by the name of Peter McGuadag um, was having problems in his relationship with his wife, Lucia. And they were bad enough that Lucia had taken out a restraining order on Peter. Now, Lucia worked at the Seventh-day Adventist Clinic. And Peter would occasionally try to come by and see Lucia at the clinic, even though there was a restraining order against him. And very correctly, the clinic and its administration said, Peter, you're not welcome on our grounds because your wife is here, there's a restraining order against you, you're not, you're not allowed here. And they would send him away. Well, on that Monday in 2001, Peter decided he wasn't going to take no for an answer anymore. And so he came with a gun and he went into the clinic. He found uh, the area where his wife was working. One of the nurses a wonderful woman by the name of Bernadette Moreno tried to get between him and his wife and he killed her. And then he killed his wife. And then he decided he was going to go ahead and get even with the administrators that were keeping him 
from his wife. And so he headed downstairs and he came to a door downstairs behind which was a friend of Rochelle and mine, uh, JC. He had been the uh, accountant at Guam Adventist Academy. It was his first full-time, full day on the job at the Adventist clinic. And he, uh, when Peter opened the door, uh, there was JC with another lady. Um, Peter shot both of them. I'm happy to tell you they both survived by the grace of God. Um, but we thought JC, it was, we thought that was it because JC got hit in the head and somehow the bullet went around his scalp and came out without penetrating his skull. So it was just incredible. And I'm sorry if this is a little graphic, but I, we're talking about this, right? And so he left, Peter left those two and then continued on down to where the chief administrator for the clinic was at and um, went into the office. The only thing was the chief administrator was off island, wasn't there. Um, and instead, there was a um, consultant that was in that office. And Peter took the consultant as a hostage and barricaded the door. And a little while later, after trying to negotiate with Peter and getting no satisfaction, the Guam SWAT team broke down the door and saved the hostage, uh, but Peter died. And it was one of the more traumatic moments I've experienced professionally to have people you know. I mean, you hear this stuff in the news, but to to people you know. And it definitely burst my feeling of safety in life. Now, little sidebar here. I want to say how proud I was of my Adventist leadership there. Why am I proud? Because they decided very deliberately to go to Peter's funeral service, which in the culture that was there was unheard of for that to happen. It's very much a shame, honor type of situation. And so what he did was shameful. His family should be humiliated. Really, only they should be there for the funeral. Instead, representatives of our Adventist church, including the president of that mission, were there. And the family were stunned. They said, why are you here? And the answer was, because we love you. And we know you didn't do that. And we don't know, we don't know what's going on with Peter. But we know we care about you. And we want you to know that we care. It was, it was incredibly powerful statement that made, was made there. That's story number one. Story number two, everybody recognize this kid? And not a kid anymore. Ron Howard playing Opie on the Andy Griffith show. Um, I honestly have a hard time seeing this kid because of the story I'm about to tell you. I'm not going to lie to you. If you get some of my pictures from when I was younger and put them right next to Ron Howard, um, Opie, there's some similarity going on there. When I worked in television news, in fact, there's a little uh, publication on the island of Guam that liked to transform local celebrities' faces into real celebrities. And 
Ron Howard and I had the opportunity to meet that way. Um, and uh, so I'm not going to lie. I know, you know, there was a time when Ron Howard and I looked a lot alike. And when I got to my freshman year of high school, I was quite relieved when another kid showed up who looked even more like Opie than I did. And from day one of my freshman year, this kid got the name Opie. He was called Opie. I remember, he's not, he, I remember vividly, he was, my name's not Opie. My name's not Opie. My name's, my name's not Opie. Until finally he quit staying it because everybody's called him Opie. And Opie was mercilessly, mercilessly bullied. I, it was physical. It was emotional. It was every kind of bullying you can imagine. And I wish I could tell you a different story about myself. I wish I could say that I did something different, but I didn't. I was glad it wasn't me. I was so glad it wasn't me. So I called him Opie. I didn't take part in the physical bullying. But emotionally, and I certainly didn't stick up for him. Well, not shockingly, Opie didn't come back for a second year at our school. Um, he went elsewhere. And around my junior year, I remember being in a, um, with a group of my friends, and one of them goes, hey, do you hear that Opie committed suicide? And there was this silence in the group. And someone's like, man, I wonder what was going on. And then somebody else said, but Opie wasn't, what was, his, what was his name? And nobody knew. Nobody knew what his name was. That's my second story. Back in 1990-ish, the Seventh-day Adventist uh, Church did a huge study of its youth. It's called um, uh, Value Genesis was the name of the study. And, uh, and so they, they studied thousands of Seventh-day Adventist young people, and then they came to some conclusions about why Seventh-day Adventist kids were staying in the church, why they might be leaving the church, a lot of different factors involving youth. And so a church in the area that I grew up in decided that it would be a great idea for a Sabbath school to invite a panel of youth to come up and talk about the findings of Value Genesis and to hear our perspective on the Seventh-day Adventist church. I say it sounded like a good idea. Um, the execution of it, though, happened to lack. And so I was actually asked to be in charge of the panel. So I got a group of my friends together and we, we worked hard. We came up with a good plan. We, we talked about deliberately not talking about all the negative things and, and, and focusing on some of the very positive things. And so we, we really tried to come up with a kind of a balanced approach. Um, but I'll never forget sitting on a stage, much or platform, much like this behind a table with my friends. There are probably about six of us. And uh, we kind of made our presentations, and, and then we opened it up for questions. This was the, the big mistake. <laughs> we opened it up for questions from the audience. And I'll never forget, like, the first person who stood up said, I just think your generation is a bunch of whiners. You know, you complain about this, you complain about that, but you guys, if you would actually have a walk with Jesus, you wouldn't be having these problems. 
And another person stood up and said, yeah, I'd like to ask you guys, how many of you actually even study your Sabbath school lesson ever? I mean, do you? And so, you know, all of us raise our hands. We'd, we'd study our lesson pretty thoroughly that week. Um, and he goes, I think you're lying. I don't really think so. And for the next 20 minutes or so, there was just this abuse, for lack of a better word, that just kind of came. I remember getting up from there, and every single one of us were in tears and walked out. And I remember having a couple of people say as we were walking out, I'm never coming back to this place again, ever. And I haven't kept up with all my friends, but I can assure you that I know there's a couple of them. They're done. And that was a major pivotal point in their life. That was my third story. My last story is about stoplights. When I first became a pastor, we moved out to the great Pacific Northwest, Spokane, Washington. One of the things you have to know if you live out in Spokane, Washington, is you need an all-wheel or four-wheel drive vehicle. That's just the way it is. There's going to be a lot of snow, and you, you want something that's going to get you around. And so when we moved out there, we did not have such a vehicle, and I knew I needed to get one. And so we, uh, I, I was mentioning to one of the church members that I need to go find a vehicle and how much I despise having to find vehicles to buy. And I know there's those of you here who love that. It's like your thing, not me. So it's, uh, I'd probably rather go to the dentist than have to go. Um, and no offense to my dentist friends here. Um, you know, you guys are great. I'm just saying, you know, on the level of pain that can be experienced, buying a car is, is up there for me. Um, and so, so anyway, so, so this guy's like, dude, buying a car is fun. I love doing that. I live to like, can I, can I like, can, you want to just go with me and we'll go together and we'll look for cars. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. And so he's like, yeah, let's do it. Sunday. Let's go Sunday morning. Let's go. I'll map out a bunch of places that I know that we can go and look and some other things like that. So let's do it. So we head out. And we're just kind of getting to know each other, but he was like one of those people you just kind of click with and you really like a lot. We're having great conversation in the car and we're driving along. There's a long straight stretch and I see up in the, up, up ahead, I see a big four-way intersection with stoplights. And I noticed that the stoplight turns yellow from green. And my friend, I don't feel any braking happening, but we're a ways off and I don't want to be a backseat driver. I don't like that. I don't like it. And so I don't say anything. And then I see it go red. And now we're closer. And I still don't feel any, any braking occurring. But I'm not going to be a backseat driver. This is a grown man. He knows how to drive his car. You know, if he wants to do a quick stop, whatever, you know. And by the time I realized that he did not see the red light, we were right at that intersection and I opened my mouth to say something and we were into the intersection. The next thing my new, my world blew up the airbags, there is smoke, just loud, just, it was deafening crash. I felt spinning. And when everything kind of finally came to a stop, I had this moment we were probably doing about 45 or 50 miles an hour through that intersection. We never, and we, what had happened was we flew into that. They were Jeep Grand 
as you'll find out later, is apparently a very safe brand of vehicles. So anyway, but we, but we had that T-bone. And there was this horrific moment where I was terrified to look over at my new friend, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but you look up and you're like, oh my word, is this person going to be dead? Are they going to be bleeding severely? Is there, you know, what's, what's going on? What am I going to see? And we kind of look over at each other at the same moment and he's, I can, he's okay. I'm not seeing blood. He looks at me and says, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. You okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. And it was at that moment that we heard a baby crying. And so we look up and the vehicle, the Jeep Grand Cherokee that we had hit, it hit it so hard, it, it knocked it up and over an embankment. And so the, the back end was hanging up in the air and the door was kind of, the glass is broken. We could see a, a, a baby carrier and we could hear the baby just shrieking. And what I presume to be the baby's mother was in the front driver's seat and she was slumped over the wheel and I could see blood. And, uh, oh my word, I had this moment. I was like, I saw that red light. I saw that red light and now I've killed someone because I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I saw the red light and I didn't say anything. And, and Mark said, Mark looked at me, he goes, he said, uh, oh my, oh, oh no, 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 no. It was, he goes, I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't, I know, was it, was, was, was the, was the light red? Was the light? And I was like, yeah, oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I, 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 sh- I was not paying it. That's my fourth story. Everybody walked away. Praise God. Right. But no, thanks to me. No, thanks to me. The mom was okay, eventually had a little bit of a concussion. The baby was fine. But no thanks to me. The Bible tells us the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Family, Satan steals life. He takes it away. And as I hope you've heard in that sermon, there's a lot of different ways to steal life. You don't have to physically murder somebody to take away their life, to take away their quality of life, to take away their joy. You don't have to not actually, you don't have to be the one driving. The thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Keep in mind that Jesus said that in the story of the Good Samaritan, he tells us that our neighbor is everybody around us. And I would suggest to you that our friends or everybody around us as well. So the question today is, are you giving life in your relationships or are you taking life away? Because I don't believe there's a lot of in-between. You're either giving or you're taking away from somebody's life, their quality of life. Life is God's most precious gift. 
anything that takes away life from another person is an act of murder. We are like Jesus when we preserve, restore, and give life to others. In short, when we love people. Amen. I appreciated that song after all the trauma that we received <laughs> from your stories. It was a little heavy. Just like sweating in the front row. Like, all right. Uh, Jesus tends to make keeping the law a lot harder for us. Like, And I'm just hearing these stories and there's some that I can relate to a little too well. Um, I just, as a teenager or a kid, you're just mean to other kids or you just sit by while other people are mean. Is there, is there any hope for us? Can you give us that? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is our hope. And yeah, I, I think, um, <laughs> I thought it was funny. I got done preaching. A couple people were like, and they're like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> we're not going to applaud murder. We're not going to talk about it now. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, this one is a little bit, I think this term is a little bit heavy and, and, but I think that it's really important for us to stop occasionally and think about some of the heavier things in life and to be reminded that that murder isn't just for people on death row, that there's a lot of things that each one of us do that, that take away life when we're not intentionally putting our, our life into Jesus' hands and asking him to help us be like him and give life rather than taking it away. Awesome. Thank you. Um, we, this is actually your time to respond. I didn't bring that up yet, but um, you can join us on the chat rooms and send in questions. And we have a few already. Uh, one came during uh, in between services from Nate, and he was asking about, is there a, a statue of limitations or uh, like, is it okay for me angry in a moment, but is holding on to it? Is that the bad part? Like someone wrongs you, isn't it normal and okay to just be angry? It is. It's not only is it, I think it's healthy. I think when we see injustice in the world, we should be angry about it. And we shouldn't be okay with it. I think the question is, why are we angry? Are we angry because of injustice that's happening to others or injustice that's happening? Or are we angry because our world is being spoiled um, in a way that causes us discomfort that we don't think we ought to be experiencing? Therefore, we get even with the other for making our life unpleasant. Um, that's when we start having problems. And so um, I think to be angry in the moment is one thing. I think it's uh, another thing to, to learn how to handle that anger appropriately in a way that doesn't lash out, mm. does not um, unnecessarily harm. Um, there is a time for anger to be expressed. Jesus did. Turning over um, tables. Yeah. There's, there's, a time, there's a time and a place for it, but I think that we probably ought to be, I know I need to be a little bit more prayerful about showing my anger than, than, I, than I have a tendency to be. Mm. We have another question here that a lot of people are even commenting on uh, from uh, Nella, and it is, what do we do when you are constantly giving life and those people are always taking from us? If you were oh, the yeah. one that's one-sided relationship, sounds well, relatable out there. Yeah. Well, um, that's, you know, without knowing the specifics of the situation that you're involved in, I would say that that's definitely time to pause and consider where you're at and whether that's the right place for you to be, um, whether you need to make some life changes. If, if, um, if 
the people that surround you are constantly taking life away from you, um, then that's probably something we need to think about. On the other hand, you know, there's so many questions. Is all of us live in, in, in a world where there are people that are taking from us on a pretty regular basis. It's kind of unfortunately life in a sinful world that people are going to do negative things to us and say things that aren't nice and there are, do things that aren't nice and to lie and to cheat and do those things. And I think that one of the things that, that we have to really grapple with is how can we be like Jesus in a world that took from him? How do we lovingly still give back? How do we still love and give even when negative things are happening to us? So I would say to that question, I would, if you feel like you are in a situation or a place where you're constantly being taken from, probably be a good thing to sit down with a pastor or a counselor and really work through whether that's what's happening to you and why it's happening and what you can do to change that around. And when I say what you can do is sometimes all you can do is pick up and move to a different place. That's sometimes what you have to do. There's some places that are so toxic and so negative that you just have to kind of get up and move. Um, there are other times when we can kind of work through by creating boundaries and saying, this is, this is not okay. Don't treat me this way. And sometimes there are people that will respect them. And sometimes there are people who won't. And so that's all part of that process. But but what I want to do in my life is I want to become, for me, I want to become a lot more worried about what I'm doing to give life to others and a lot less worried about what others are doing to me. That's where I want to get for me. Hmm. Thank you. Now, we are unfortunately out of time and there's quite a discussion going on here about something, but I feel like it's a little off topic. So we'll just save it for the podcast. So um <laughs> It's something about giving life and we should be performing more miracles. And so we'll talk about that maybe during the podcast um, called This Is Whole Life. And it's available everywhere that podcasts are heard. So we'll check that out. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff going on. All right. Thank you. <laughs> we'll have to go check that out. <laughs> yeah. Let's bow our heads, family. In fact, before we do that, would you stand with me for, for closing prayer? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you that in spite of the fact that we took your son's life, you have given us life. That you love us, that you call us your children. Help us to be your children in the truest sense of that, that we give life. That we are thoughtful about the words that we use, that the actions that we take, that we think about how we can lift people up as opposed to push them down. Lord, probably there may be nobody who's taken a life in this in this room right now as far as physically in, in the way that perhaps we traditionally think of this commandment. And yet each one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, knows that we have taken life away from others by the way that we have treated them, the words that we've used, the actions we've taken. Help us to be like you. Change our hearts. And we thank you so much for your grace that no matter how we behave, we can trust that you love us and you're just in the process of making us more like you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Family, I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. 
Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.